Hello, I'm Arianna Raji Lee, founder of Pasha Mama, and welcome to our conversation, In Conversation, the podcast where I speak to women's health practitioners, baby and toddler experts, mamas and mums-to-be, to find out about what they do and how their story can support you through modern motherhood. Let's get started, shall we? Hello, hello. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, really looking forward to having you listen to this conversation with a mama from our Passion Mama community, Hannah, who at the time of the recording was pregnant and due in two weeks. But since this has gone live, she has had a very healthy baby boy. Hannah is really passionate about women's health and it's um, really, really comes through in this episode. We talk about how she believes that there needs to be a sort of re-education around the antenatal period and about birth options. And she shares her experience of the realities of her postpartum uh, period, particularly around the fourth trimester. She has really good advice for expecting and new mamas who are going through things. And the way that she describes motherhood is one that I'd not heard of before and I think might really resonate with you. So thank you so much, Hannah, for sharing your story and your experiences with us. And I hope you guys love and listen. Hannah, hello. Nice to meet you face to face. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good. Um, yeah, I'm well, I'm very pregnant. Um, <laughs> so I'm in the um, I'm on the, I'm in the sort of cereal bowl on bump phase of pregnancy so pretty far along um and feeling yeah all the intensity that comes with it but also very excited so that's good nice. when when are you due I'm, I'm due in a couple of weeks I'll wow. keep it as vague as that because you never know <laughs> um so yeah I'm getting all that lovely excitement now when you think oh my goodness there's someone coming good um, and how's how's this pregnancy been for you have you found it you know what? I'm 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 lucky. This is my second pregnancy, so I've already got um, a nearly three-year-old, um, and I have been lucky. I had some nausea at the beginning, um, but overall, I've um, been able to kind of maintain doing workouts, um, which is something I'm kind of quite passionate about. Um, sort of trying to stay active as much as possible um yeah overall it, it's been it's been good obviously it's just a strange one um because there's friends um in my life who haven't seen me pregnant at all um this time around um so it is a bit strange to have had like zoom conversations about being pregnant but never actually physically seeing them so it would be strange to like have a baby the next time I see them sort of thing yeah I totally get that I actually had a friend who was pregnant and gave birth in COVID and I had no idea that oh she was goodness. pregnant I know so it's um it's a really weird sometimes often sad situation mm. that we find ourselves in I think but um we're on the way out you know you've got a couple of weeks ish left so um fingers crossed everything goes well and, and we'll and your friends will, family will get to see see the new new one soon yeah absolutely yeah I feel I feel very lucky in the sense that this is my second time around um you know I really feel for people when it's been their first time um in this situation so yeah sending lots of love to everyone in that situation because it's it's tough yeah it is um so why don't you um <laughs> we're gonna dive straight in there why don't you <laughs> 
introduce yourself to our community um obviously you're pregnant now you have a little one at home what their age is where you live etc what your family setup is like yeah so um yeah so I've, as i said i've got a little son <laughs> called aiden um who's free in may um we live in a very um tiny little village actually <laughs> in the middle of bucks beautiful little village um with my uh, fiance um and he is a builder carpenter <laughs> uh, and i am the owner of my own business called rap consulting um it's marketing and communications for uh women's health and femtech brands um so i'm really very passionate about sort of women's health in general um naturally that means I just love um you know talking about birth and maternity and postpartum um and I'm also actually a hypnobirthing teacher I, I recently qualified um a couple of months ago so um I've just in this space of just kind of brilliance really of just trying to educate people and raise awareness around so many things um the need attention um, in women's health. Um, and a lot of that is linked to, um, you know, the need for more support for mums and parents and that kind of thing as well. So um, yeah, my, my kind of personal life feeds into um, what I do for, for work as well. That's amazing. And we're definitely beating on from the same drum there in terms of supporting women and kind of educating um, around sort of women's health, particularly, you know, for us in the postpartum period. And that's, I guess, what we're here to talk about today, our conversation. Uh, you know, when I put the call out for mums from the community to kind of come and share their story, you kindly volunteered and you said that we need to re-educate, we, we need a re-education when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. Would you mind explaining what you mean by that? Yeah, so I think a lot of this stems from whether you, as a, as the mother, um, you know, or the parent, if, if we're talking about the sort of the broader community, um, whether you feel like you're in control of your own destiny. Um, I think what happens an awful lot is um, this sense that you become a vessel in pregnancy. Um, there's a lot of focus on obviously trying to make sure the baby's well, you know, we talk about scans and checking the baby, obviously really important. Um, but I think we get missed um, a lot along the way. Um, I think sometimes people um, want to talk about pregnancy as though it's an illness. So, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't be doing that, shouldn't eat this, you know, all of the, sh you know, should nots. Um, but really, I think it's just about listening to your own sort of sense of self. Um, and I think it's it's something we need to do in general around our own health is just get to know ourselves a bit better. Um, but I think especially in pregnancy, it feels like somebody else ends up telling us like what it is that we should and shouldn't be doing. And I think that can be you know, detrimental to like your own personal journey and potentially detrimental to how you end up giving birth or you end up feeling um, postpartum. Um, so I think it's just about saying, what do you want your pregnancy and what do you want your birth to look like versus 
what are other people telling you that it should or shouldn't look like you see what I mean I definitely do and and is this something that you just found you experienced in your first pregnancy yeah and you know what I'm obviously um an outspoken person I'm really passionate about um, women's health and my own health but I feel myself doing it even you know second time round I felt myself um not bow down it's probably the wrong way to describe it but I've definitely felt myself say oh sure you know to something when I think actually what am I just you know what have I just peed in a pot for like what what am I actually <laughs> what is this scan for like what are they looking for you know um I think it's quite easy and it, I, I think it's a relationship also just to kind of with healthcare professionals and medical professionals in general that we feel that we um we should just say yes and that it's like they're the expert we don't know anything whereas I feel like we should just try and get a bit more balance with that and I'm trying to ask more questions you know when when I'm having a blood test or when I'm peeing in a pot, I'm, I'm trying to just be more like, what actually is that testing for? And, um, you know, sometimes it's just like, oh, that was all fine. And you're like, what was it? What was fine? You know, what, what was, so I, I, I'm just, I just think we need to be more, yeah, maybe more inquisitive, a bit more engaged with what, what it is that um, is even going on in the process. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely recognise that I do it myself. And, you know, as somebody who is confident and understands pregnancy, and it, it, I am alarmed to think even I'm kind of bowing down to um, medical pressure, I suppose. Um, so then it just makes me worried for people who may not have had as much sort of antenatal education um, about how much people are just sort of saying yes to things that aren't necessarily the right the right thing for them do you think that that is because or part of the challenge with that is because we don't we're not taught or exposed to anything pregnancy related until we're interested in getting pregnant and actually if we were empowered at slightly from slightly younger ages to sort of know what happens to the body to sort of know what your options are um you then feel a little bit more you know you know a little bit more confident a little bit more sort of word to the wise so that you can potentially push back on things and challenge you know i certainly feel now as though i'm I'm as prepared as I can be for pregnancy and birth, given what I do. But had I not, I've got so many girlfriends who it, it, it's not on their radar, which is totally fine. It wouldn't be unless it's in their, in their job description. But I feel as though now I am much more prepared and aware. Obviously, things don't ever go to plan I'm learning that as well but that's part of the learning process right and I think that there is something to be said about cluing women up from a younger age to feel more confident and empowered to as you say ask those right questions to those practitioners who sometimes if you think about it also just say stuff to say stuff I find you know like a really simple example of this is kind of no cap the caffeine argument in pregnancy not one article i've read country government guideline you know no one can give a definitive answer and i think 
there's so much confusion around so much stuff. And unless we are equipped to know what all the, the options are, to ask the right questions, to then make our own decision based on, as you say, our needs as a woman, um, yeah, it's a really challenging spot to be in, I think. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> there's so much in there. Um, yeah, I completely agree on all counts. And it's something I'm, um, th there's just so many layers to what needs to change in women's health that it's almost overwhelming, but it all links into all of this, that we, that you're, exactly what you're talking about. So like, um, even from as early as probably sex education in school, it needs to change. Uh, it needs to be better. It needs to be talking about the fact that, you know, it's not just as simple as like have sex um, and then a baby is here. <laughs> um, and then, you know, moving through, yeah, that's why I'm so passionate about um, femtech. So using technology to help you get to know yourself better. Um, and it's why I really advocate for cycle tracking, um, you know, regardless of even if having a baby is remotely on your radar, um, even if you have the most straightforward cycles, I just think track them because also you'll just notice stuff about yourself. Like there's just so many little things that you don't realize, but you're probably a little bit more um, engaged. Your brain feels less fuzzy at certain points in your cycle and that kind of thing. Um, and there's so much there's so much benefit of being, yeah, aware of, of what might come before you're even ready to kind of deal with it, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I just think we all just need to spend a bit more time being like, what is normal for me? Because also another big problem is that we're told a cycle is 28 days when usually all of us have very different cycles that change each month. Yeah, um, I, think, I think the stats show that actually the lowest percentage of women have a 28 day cycle. So where yes. this number has come from is completely ridiculous. <laughs> I know. And it's like when you ovulate, like I was um, using a clue to get pregnant and my, like my ovulation just changed. Like we actually got pregnant quick, fairly quick with both, both of um, the boys. Um, but my ovulation was completely different for each of the cycles um so again it's just if you just think i the way to get pregnant as well is, is just literally to have sex um as, you know as much as possible in in a, in a in a window there's just so much more to it and I, again it's like suddenly you decide with your partner or whoever you know that you want to have a baby and then if you're only just at that point understanding what actually is involved and how small a window it really is, um, then it will take time and people will be feel like they're failing because it's not happening after two months, you know, and, and then ends up taking a year and all, all of those things. So I think, yeah, getting to know yourself, getting to know what's, what is normal for you is super important and just trying to ignore <laughs> all the other things that people tell you about what, what is the other normal. Um, and I just think in general, um, our exposure to um, like birth photography, um, the reality of what birth can look like. Um, 
I'm I'm super pro this whole movement around positive birth, which is not to say that that necessarily means that you're going to have a vaginal delivery, um, because there's so many different things that go into why your your birth might go the way it goes. Um, but it's just about empowerment and just making sure that you have made a decision yourself about how that process happens. Um, and I, yeah, there's lo- <laughs> there's loads to talk about in terms of sort of, um, you know, inductions and due dates and, and all of those things. Um, but yeah, I just think now more than ever, antenatal education, so understanding what happens in pregnancy, understanding what could happen in birth um, is just so important. I just think, I I think there's a couple of, I obviously teach, um, you know, hypnobirthing myself and it's a service that people pay for. And sometimes it's, it's, um, it's a tricky one. And I'm going forward um, once I've had my baby, I I really want to um, make sure I can offer, uh, pay is pay what you can offering of my fit, hypnobirthing because I think as well one of the problems that we're having now is that um, the the services of the antenatal education so NCT hypnobirthing they're, they're they're pretty expensive and so you know we also need to make sure that everyone's getting access to some sort of level of antenatal education um, I wrote a blog about it um, not long ago and the NHS do offer a free sort of antenatal workshop, but the uptake of it is is appalling. Um, I think it's only like a third of people who are offered it or even less actually um, take take it up and that's for free. Um, So I just think it needs to be a broader education in general. which yeah we've just got to change the world but you know <laughs> baby steps try. that's what we're trying to do yeah exactly um Hannah I wanted to bring it back down to you know a bit more about your experience maybe we can talk about um your the realities I guess of your first birth and perhaps that fourth trimester period again a, a part of postpartum that is rarely spoken about um, how was it for you with your with your first? Yeah, so I um, I had a positive midwife led unit birth, um, and I um, felt very supported probably in the first um, few weeks. I guess um, I had some difficulty um, breastfeeding. But I, I was really lucky in the sense that I able, was able to get one-on-one um, care pretty quickly. Um, I do laugh because I found it really uncomfortable, painful. <laughs> I should say it's painful. Um, and I was speaking to, I think, I think she was a lactation consultant and she was looking at, my, um, at his latch and she was like, it's all good. And I was like, but it's painful. Um, and then I saw a couple of a couple of other midwives, and again they were like, "No, there's no tongue tie here. He's all good." And then my sister <laughs> just said to me, 
it actually is quite painful for the first few weeks like if you're like if you aren't using nipple balm all the time like your nipples just have to adjust and once you get past that then you'll be okay and it was just the most important thing that probably anyone told me in order for me to kind of continue my breastfeeding journey um and so I found that quite difficult was that nobody had sort of just just accepted that for some people it is painful to begin with um so yeah I, I that 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 was tricky and I'm, I'm so thankful for my sister for just kind of stepping in in that situation um but yeah I, I, I mean overall I um I had obviously the six-week check which it was at the time um I felt I think it's actually by the sounds of things got worse in terms of um checks at the moment which is really yeah, alarming they're they're not in they're not always in person at the moment even yeah. I've spoken to a couple of women who had c-sections and they haven't had in-person checks so they haven't even checked the scar which I just find you know it's it's sometimes you hear things like this is completely unacceptable yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely because I remember at the time for I think it was day three or five they asked me did I want my stitches checked because I had a second degree tear um and I was like yeah <laughs> I want to know everything's okay down there I don't want to come to hospital in five days when I've got an infection um so yeah I, I, it's it it's yeah it's a huge problem I had a um a mummy MOT um privately uh I can't remember when it was and she did um an internal internal examination of my pelvic floor um and again I just think that's so crucial but I have to pay you know I that that again that's a paid for service that's a privilege um that I can afford to do that um and it meant that I was able to know what my limitations were for going back to exercise um so I there's just so again there's just so much but we need more support definitely um then for me sleep was a really big problem in the end so past the fourth trimester um my son just didn't sleep very well for um well it depends who you ask he slept like a baby and a normal baby he woke up a lot um but i i had re i had really bad sleep deprivation and um yeah it carried on until he was about 15 months and I look back now and I yeah I was in a bit of a probably a bit of a bad place I I lost quite a lot of weight as well I'm, I'm quite thin anyway but I lost weight because I it's the same thing when I have um like jet lag like I I, I find that my like because your circadian rhythm is kind of off I just was like never quite hungry and like never like my energy just was like rock bottom um, I went back to work and actually went back freelancing, working for myself and was just completely like overwhelmed, to be honest. Um, How long after your son was born did you go back to work? I think it was 11, 11 months in the end. Yeah. And so it was 11 months of sort of, of, of yeah, added up sort of sleep deprivation at that point. Which, you know, I, I spoke to a friend the other day and she was like, sleep deprivation is a form of torture for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> How did you how did you overcome or did you overcome the the sleep challenges you were facing? Yeah, so we um, 
we actually worked with um, Mill Pond Sleep Clinic um, with some gentle sort of support, which was really just adding a routine, <laughs> to be honest. Um, there was no, we didn't do crying out. That was just our own kind of personal preference. But um, it, yeah, it just felt like the right time. I wouldn't, we wouldn't have got to it before then, if that makes sense. It was just the right time for us as a family to say, okay, we feel like we need some help now sort of thing um because I'd been breastfeeding and stopped breastfeeding at seven months so it wasn't it wasn't that he was comfort feeding with me all of those things so it just felt like a kind of natural point but again something like we could afford to pay for and again it's fairly expensive to get help with that kind of thing um uh but yeah I did I did notice sort of within weeks how much easier life was um when I could think straight um and so yeah when friends when friends sort of come to me and they 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 have this guilt around that they've they're trying sleep training or whatever I'm just like you just got to do whatever you need to do um to get that sleep yeah um and obviously with all of these things and just in motherhood and, and in parenthood in general it's just like the the guilt wrapped in all of these things is just so intense that even though you know how important sleep is, you'd rather just plow on because you feel like you should rather than like supporting yourself really. Um, so I think I've just got better in general and my whole kind of outlook in life-ish <laughs> at, um, at asking for help. Mm -hmm. um, because also I just was like, oh, I should just be able to do this. This is just part of motherhood. Like I can plow on, like, this is fine. Like you've just got to keep going. Like this is what having a child is, you know? Um, and so I didn't probably ask for as, as much help really as I should have done sort of earlier. And like, my parents are amazing. Um, you know, they took um, for nights, but then it's always that I'm finding at the moment being so pregnant, it's like, so you get a bit of a respite and then you think, right, well, the house needs tidy. I need to organize the new space for the baby. And then I, and then you're just like, I've literally sat down for five minutes. And that's the other thing is like, just trying as much as you can to genuinely stop. And I think that's one of the hardest things about being a mum in today's society is that the, like the always on mentality is so strong in all of our all aspects of our lives that we've almost lost the like ability to just fully rest um because you know I because I own my own business I'm like if I'm watching something on tv sometimes I'll be posting or liking something for my business on Instagram and it's like that that, that means it's not rest <laughs> I haven't fully stopped um so I am I'm actually hoping and kind of looking forward to the days when my son goes to nursery and when I have my my newborn and, and all we'll do is feed all being well like the feeding and watch tv and and I'm just gonna try as much as I can to just be like this is the moment like just do this yeah. um because yeah slowing down is like I think we're all really bad at it. <laughs> I, I can completely agree with that. Um, 
I was going to ask you, actually, it sounds like you've given so much advice there, but I was going to say, is there anything specific advice wise that you would give to pregnant women now who are expecting their first or second or third? Um, one piece of advice that you that you that you think that um, is, is the most important out of all the things you said? Yeah, I think it is probably to, to ask for help. So when people come over, and I think people are getting better at this, but, you know, and this is in the assuming we can see each other and all of that lovely things. Like when people come over, don't ask, like, it isn't about them holding the baby. They're not there to actually have baby cuddles. Like, unless unless you just want to have a, like a breather. But I just remember like when I first had my son, I didn't really want him to like to go to anyone else for at least like three or four weeks, especially as you're still learning the cues about feeding, like if you are breastfeeding. Um, and I found the people wanting to take him from me, I found it really, really uncomfortable. And I actually hated him being taken from me versus anything else. So, um, and it might not be that others experience that, but if you do, then like keep that safe space. Just explain to people that what you need from them is not their help specifically with the baby, but what they need to do is tidy up, <laughs> bring you water, Make cook you dinner, <laughs> um, everything else. Like in that first bubble of fourth trimester, to be honest, the whole time. It's not about what they, whether they want cuddles from your baby. It's irrelevant. Like you and your baby are getting to know each other. Like step back, <laughs> usually. Um, but support, like ask for that support. Because I think, yeah, again, like sit down and expect someone else to make you a cup of tea when they come over. Um, and so, yeah, that's the other thing I kind of urge friends and families is just to know how important that is um you know when you come and visit like don't think about you're being there to get smooches from the, from the baby you're there to literally help and do as you're told basically good advice um Hannah I wanted to finish on on one question that I that I ask all mums when when we when we do um when we have these chats um motherhood is different on a day-to-day -day basis on an hourly basis it has its ups and downs and its rounds and rounds but how would you describe motherhood today for you in this moment um I think it's it's really revealing about your own self um which I really like I'm kind of I love that I um, get now my, my son's sort of nearly free like we do crafts together and I've always loved those things and it's almost like I'm having these flashbacks to when I was like almost his age like it's kind of weird like the things that you like love and the things that really excite you it's so nice to sort of feel them through your own children and like realize the elements of your personality like how much patience you have for one thing or like you know where you draw the line or like where what discipline means to you and like I just love that he is helping kind of like reveal myself as well so obviously I give everything to him and it's it's hard work and it's tiring but at the same time I feel like I get a lot about myself back um 
which I yeah which I think is amazing um and yeah I I I just feel really lucky because he um he's a good little guy <laughs> um you know he he's he's really mummy he's really into mummy at the moment so we'll have to worry about that when the baby when the other baby comes um and yeah I I, I think it's just about kind of finding your way and like knowing who you are trying not to be too bogged down by like I try not to worry too much like he's not potty trained yet and I'm like we're both as a couple we're not we don't obsess about books or um ways of doing things like we're both really kind of go with the flow um I guess we've always just been quite baby led um and that's okay because he'll surprise me like every day with like progress in some way um so yeah for me I guess motherhood is sort of being led by him in a certain way um and having him sort of reveal parts about me which I didn't necessarily know that's really (laughs) really lovely that's really lovely and not what not oh not a description of motherhood that I've heard before um so thank you for that um and Hannah thank you so much for for taking the time to kind of talk to me, tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, you're obviously extremely passionate, which is amazing. And for your advice that you've shared and the experiences that you've lived through that have kind of got you here today. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. That's great. <laughs>